Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, my guest is Tom Robb. My wife grew up with Tom as a neighbor, and he is a close family friend. Tom oversees security for some of the biggest rock bands in the world, and today we are talking about staying healthy on the road and every day. You can find Tom on Instagram at Hellboy Security. Tom, Rob, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. F- finally made it. We finally are doing this, dude. I listen to the show so much, I feel like we've talked, we talk all the time. <laughs> you're in my head. But we do when talk I'm at the sometimes. Gym. No, 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 but when I'm at the gym. Oh, what nice. I, I listen to you. I used to listen to Joe and Fire to the King, and I started getting onto it, obviously, because you're doing it. But, man, you have some really great guests. Yeah. Well, now we have an, now we have an exceptional guest <laughs> in you. That's soon to be saying. I want to say, um, just for background. Right. My wife grew up with you as like a neighbor friend and you were with her older brother. Right. So we have like a familial Absolutely. connection yeah. in that way. I've known your wife and her sister since they were probably 11 or 12. Yeah. And their older brother was a good friend of mine. Yeah. And Jeffrey, when I first got together with my wife, um, he was always... Who's her father. Who's her father. He, he Jeffrey Lewis, a very talented guy. Amazing. Um, who you did a phenomenal portrait of. Thank you, yeah. But he, he was always like, I would go over to his house, you know, in the beginning of, of dating Brandy, okay. and, and he'd say something like, I'm training, I'm training street fighting. You know, he was always into something, yeah. some kind of yeah. training, or like, he'd always have weights pulled no, up yeah. in the backyard. And He was that dude that we all looked around at and goes, man, there's a lot going on here. I got to step up my game. I was only in my 20s, and I was like, has fast cars, great looking dude, yeah. right? He loves martial arts. He's a well-known actor. I mean, he was in five or six Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah. So when I met him, you're already a little starstruck. For whatever reason, there was a connection we had, and as time went on, he, he literally became one of my most important mentors yeah. in my life. And it, I didn't spend a lot of time with him in the end, but I realized through Juliet, Brandon, and it, Brandon, he's still there all the time. Yeah, conversations he you know he had for me were at the most important time in my life, and so he kind of straightened me up. I was going down a pretty silly direction and he was there for me a lot more than my my father so he was the father figure but just super cool yeah you know just everything he did was so and by the way by the way one of the funniest humans in the world talk about dry humor he'll make a face and you're like is he serious right now he just walks away and starts laughing at you and were you lucky enough to catch his uh, celestial navigation yes amazing so I'm 24 at the time coaching football just a muscle head just everything's football and lifting and calories and everything ridiculous and I just started seeing the elegance 
of being intelligent for the first time. Because well, I was a skinny little kid, man, my whole life. Trailer park, poor, malnutrition, the whole thing. So lifting was, be, becoming big was such a big deal. And when I was, I was literally transforming into a muscle head. Right. I come from, a, a, my father's a missionary, he's educated. All my family's educated, and I'm all of a sudden going, yo, Adrian, and doing all that. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? Right. And then when I saw how graceful and beautiful it looked for someone so powerful to tell these just amazing stories, subtle, insightful, you know, sensitive. I was like, I can do that too. Yeah. You know, and at the time, as you know, I'm an artist, but I was challenging that and almost hiding that quality because that's a creative side that you don't talk about at the gym. Right. So I was kind of hiding that. And the whole time I was like, well, he does that. Why don't I try this? It literally led me down in the direction of going, fuck what people think about me. This is my side too. It, it made it okay. Like the idea like whatever whatever the preconception of being tough is yeah. he broke so many rules that I would associate with that while at the same time being the toughest dude and yeah. and you know I mean he was in his 60s or late 50s maybe or when I met him right. so he wasn't like some spry young right. guy but still training street fighting the first day I ever met him at his house he took me into the garage and like opened up a case of machine guns and was just like kind of talking to me about his daughter while showing me this that was planned that was planned he's so telling you he's a street fighter yeah. and I have guns yeah. treat my daughter well right. good luck with that yeah exactly <laughs> and, and, and yeah and then he would hit you with some dry humor which you'd have to really think about for a minute and yeah. then you're fucking dying yeah, laughing because he is so sharp yeah well he uh i was coaching football at the time and uh i was going through a rough time within one year one of my kids was murdered uh, that i coached right so i had to be a part of the memorial and the eulogy and then six months later my best friend who had just become a sheriff he was 23 got killed on the freeway uh, drunk driver coming in the wrong direction. So I was working many jobs. I was coaching football. I was pinstriping cars in the morning. I had to bounce just to make, you know, to pay the rent. So it's not good to be a bouncer when your best friend just got killed by drunks. Right. So literally six weeks of me pretty much fighting anybody who's going to the car drunk. I mean, literally fighting them. They called me and said, this is probably not a great time or place for you to be here. Yeah. And I had cuts on my hands all the time. So I get a call from Jeffrey. He's like, uh, let's meet. Go to a pub, have a whiskey. Never had whiskey before. Didn't really know what a pub was. That was all cool because I know what a pub is now. Right. He pulled me aside, and he, he wasn't being the funny, cute... He just said, listen, we need to talk. He goes, this, the cuts in the hands, this, I know you're bad at your father and all this. He goes, none of this is cute, man. He goes, this is, this is boring. You're boring. Broke my heart. This yeah. is a guy I looked up to, and I'm boring to him. He goes, here's the good news. <clears throat> you're going to leave today, and you're not going to blame your father for any mistake or choice you make from now. You're 23. You're going to live, hopefully, 50 years don't blame your father. Here's the good news. He doesn't get credit for the man you're about to become. From this day on, every choice is yours. Own it and take full credit for it. And the main thing was, I can go live a great life and take credit. These were my decisions, but I don't have to blame my father anymore. And I didn't. Yeah. And literally... 
23 years old. I've never had a fight since then, wow. which in this business is rare. We've had altercations, but literally never thrown a punch. Well, we should say yeah, okay. you, <laughs> you handle security for some of the biggest rock groups right. on earth. So it is amazing that you haven't had a fight. Yeah. Um, you have Metallica, Led yeah. Zeppelin, like yeah. really yeah. big. No, we've had uh, a real good run. It's been 35 years of doing this. So obviously, you know, I'm not talking about being in the pit when the system is down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, when, when I saw American History X and every time you talk about the, the punk, I always want to know because I was working clubs when I was 20 and 21 that the Circle Jerks and yeah. Dead Kennedys and all those guys were there. It was it that type of... Yeah, yeah, like the anti-club yeah. in L.A. I would go to the anti-club. Um, and then there was a place where I started going to like... 14 or 15 called Maryland's. What which, part of town is it? That was like, I think, Pasadena. But okay. that was a club where you weren't allowed to go if you were 18 or 21 or whatever oh, gotcha. it was. It was only yeah, yeah, for yeah, kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just a lot of shows at the Palladium yeah. and stuff. And, and uh, the Reseda Country Club. That's where I was working. Yeah. Oh, well, then yeah. we probably had a, yeah. we probably met. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Well, there. If you ever see Boogie Nights? Yeah. Okay, so that area, the country club, is the first club they show. Yeah. So that's, Which I don't think it's there anymore. I don't either, but I got to tell you, the movie itself was literally my time frame there. The terrible clothes and everything, that was me. Right. That, that was time. slightly before yeah. my time. Yeah, I think I'm 10 years ahead of you. Yeah. So when I watched the movie... I, wa I saw everything, the donut shop, all, all of it. But right next to the country club was a gym called Don Peters. Okay. Which is the first place I ever lifted the weight. It was the mecca before Gold's Gym because this was, uh, God, Lee Haney, Rich Gaspari, Tony Pearson, Corey Everson. These people were all Olympia people right. in a gym that's not much bigger than the room we're in. <laughs> right. It might have been 2,000 square foot. By the way, when I think back to th those days and dudes like that, there wasn't a lot of money in it. No. Oh, you, Rich showed up at the club and he was trying to get in and I was like, I'm looking at him and all like, this the guy, come over here. You yeah. know, my voice is great. Get, get in here. You know, I thought I saw a superstar. Yeah. And he became massive, but I would see him daily next to me. And this was my inspiration. And this what started me on uh, the training. And the discipline came because they don't mess around. It's not like gyms now where you, you put a phone on a, the, a, <laughs> right. a bench and a towel on another bench. They would take that thing and throw it out the window so I learned discipline and etiquette from a gym which I still do now but I met two older guys they decided they want to train with me and it was a big honor for me I was 17 one's a biker and the other guy's a 400 pound bencher and I thought, this is awesome so they were like we'll see you tomorrow at six sure so excited get there I roll in about three minutes after six I'm like sorry and they're like no problem sit down okay we'll catch you at 7 30 I go I can't train no okay I'll no you stay here till 7.30, and we'll try this again tomorrow. Right. Never late, late, ever again right. was that late. And now when we do lobby calls and all that for bands, I'm always the first one there. Yeah. You know, time means something, and I was disrespecting their time. Right. So, well, 
as we started touring, it was such a big deal for me to train that I had to figure out, like you would get an itinerary weeks before with any band I work with, and I go online and check the hotels, their gyms, and all that stuff. Yeah. By the way, when you see five bicycles, you know there's a mirror there, so I always <laughs> catch it. I'm like, that's not. So I'll call ahead, ask for square footage, and if it's 400 square feet, I'm already looking for the next gym. But this, as, as I know, I hate the word obsessed, but I know how driven you are right now. Yeah. And I've been like this for 30 years where I I feel great lifting, but I feel worse when I don't. Yeah, dude. Uh, and 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 I had to find that because I, I, I've been driven at other pursuits that took up so much of my time that, you know, after I do it, I was kind of useless for the rest of the day. Right. Talking about like extreme cardio yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, you know... Uh, that would be the majority of what I did. And so I'm really thankful that I found something that I can put an hour or an hour right. and a half into and feel like it's it's utterly changed the landscape of my day. Completely. Like my day is, is not going to be different. And then um, if I miss it, the day is not as good. Right. You know? Well, this is my rationale. You have, a, by the way, you have a lot smarter people on the show that are going to disagree with some of my stuff, but it's just my no, science like that it. works for stuff. me. Yeah, it just works for me, and I don't try to sell. I'm not a CrossFit or a vegan. I'm not trying to sell anything, <laughs> right. man. It works for me. Then they find out my age. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, "Wait, wait, what'd you say?" Yeah, you know, they just think I'm a 40 year old walking around, and when they figure it out, they're like, "Oh, so you've been doing this for a while." So I think obviously lifting is very important, and then cardio, then food. Obviously, you can put that in front and sleep so on the road my goal every tour is five days a week right. if I can some days have been less but I can guarantee you for 40 years I've been doing about five days a week right so if I'm at a show where I know I'm going to walk I'm going to walk 16 to 20,000 steps so I don't That's have to your worry cardio. yeah I don't have to worry about that yeah. I don't obsess and go well I didn't go upstairs <laughs> right. it's plenty it, it will equal out yeah. over the course of the week oh. yeah the problem is sleep, for sure, because you either do personal venue, and I'll break that down, it'll make more, uh, more sense, but then, obviously, the lifting and eating. So if I'm not going to get sleep, the other three, I have to dial in. No excuses. Yeah. So if I have a great lift, bad food, bad sleep, maintain at best, might even lost the step. So that's how I rationalize it. But if I get all four, which you do on your off days, which are rare, that's the most important thing. Make sure you get eight hours, eat perfect all day, snack perfect, cardio, lift. But my lift is literally, I'm sure that there's the straps that, I have a great t-shirt. If I go through it and there's not an ounce of dry, I'm done. Right. So that's 50 minutes for me. In any, like, I'm out here in Austin in the Gold's Gym. 50 minutes, two body parts, just pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. Shirt's done. Get another one. Do cardio. Now, here's the trick. When you're lucky enough to be with the bands I've been with, 
you're I've I've been in 85 countries, so you know, and I average 100 gyms. So you've had a lot of professionals. I don't know if you had a lot of people that in 10 years have been in a thousand gyms. Yeah, I don't so know. So I've seen. If during COVID you were at three gyms, they're all so different. Imagine seeing a hundred in Latvia, Russia, or Vienna. It's just craziness, and you have to have tunnel vision. Come in, not look at all the craziness. Get your gym in and get out. Yeah. So once you break that down, you get those movements all in order, and that's the most important part of my day when I have time for myself. Right. So two two main things. Venue security is traveling with the tour, setting up the arena. You're there from six in the morning till two, and you have to be up and you run everything. Right. So if you're lucky, you do three shows a week so you can balance those four days off. The last tour was a young tour. We did five days a week. Wow. So no sleep. And you're and you're getting gym time in on those yeah, days. Yeah. This is how I do it. So if we do five, we have two days off. Correct. My goal is in those five days call ahead you talk to staples or every they know me they've and i'm like i know you normally can i just get an hour of time in the gym again i'm going to do twenty thousand steps right catering all day i can eat perfectly if i can or want to if i can get 50 minutes from like noon to one i'm good to go yeah. so if i can sneak two of those in if i get a third i'm perfect that's it so venue is a little bit harder but the the difference is when you do venue and you have a day off it's your day there's no band when i do personal which i do often i'm with either the band or the lead singer 24 7. <laughs> so you create a relationship and one thing i was going to tell you what's my motivation well every time we have a break whether it's two weeks or two months I want them to see me come in and go, didn't lose a step. Yeah. You know, like that's my trick. That's my game to show up. And then on tour, you just stay maintain as, hu- as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Listen, they love that you're dedicated to this because they know you take it serious. But the truth is, don't you owe them that? Right. Don't you owe them your best version? To show up, it's a high-level job. You have to be sharp. You have to be on top of it. And as you know, it creates confidence, right? I mean, when you... I, you know, listen, that's what I think. But as we progress, as, as, as society and culture evolves, I don't know if that's what the next generation thinks. The next generation oh. needs mental health days, and they're just going to school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I have my kids are in college, and they said now we get a mental health day every week. So the, the actual class structure is only four days a week. Right. And I'm like, a mental health day from studying? You're not even at work. And, like, yeah. my idea is if I had uh, four years to, like, enhance myself and learn and, and just become more knowledgeable in something that right. would be like a vacation compared to what I'm doing now. And, and, and I know a lot of people are working to put themselves through school, but I'm just saying the next generation, I don't know that they have the same work ethic as we do. Yeah. Listen, I know people only 10 years younger or 15 years younger that don't. Yeah. I, I have a company. We have about nine tours. And I told you we do Bellator, and we have a lot of really nice bands. And I get 30-year-olds, which is yeah, it's great. It's a perfect time. I get ex-military. Different breed when you get those. You don't have to teach them about discipline or right. respect. But we do get those guys that I weed out pretty quick. Because I, I get a lot of this, but I need someone who's... D- 
doesn't have an off button until it's time to have off. Then take yeah. all the time you want. People on on the tour, they do their own thing. They'll FaceTime, they'll watch movies. I have no problem. If reading a book gets you to the point you and I feel with lefting, I'm fine with that. Sure. Absolutely. But from a physical stance, what we do has to look like we're on top of our game. Yeah. And it goes back to Jeffrey. My whole thing, what I got known for, is being the antithesis of what you think. Because for people that don't, with the tattoos and the size and all that, if I don't... If I shut my mouth, people walk to James and go, that dude's super intimidating. And he just starts laughing. He's right. like, what? Tom, what are you talking about? Yeah. He goes, listen, talk to the kids, you know. And talking to the kids is, is one of the highlights of my day because they appreciate that you care, you know, because they don't always feel that. And some of these get tough times at school. So, you know, this... So when they come here, we make it a safe place to land. Yeah. You even though it's you're going to be moshing and dancing, and, uh, we just play play it safe, play it honest, and just uh, this was a huge experience to go from bands like Metallica and Slipknot and all that, and then I did Kanye and some of these others. Then I did Twenty One Pilots, which is a much younger crowd, sensitive, creative, and I just had to shift gears. Yeah. You know, and it, I loved it. I was on tour with Metallica about eight years ago at the same time I was doing Glee. Wow. The TV show. Yeah. And I had this wonderful kid named Chris who's openly gay, and he was... I learned so much from him, and, and I have an older brother that's gay. His name's Steve, and so is his husband, by the way, which I think <laughs> is awesome. Steve. Steve and Steve, it's awesome. That's awesome. And they're the best people. And my brother Steve was like, you do Metallica, you do... What are you going to do? And I called him so excited to tell him I'm doing Glee. He's a finally a show I can go to. Right. <laughs> you know? And after the show, Chris became very famous for writing children's novels that are massive, like massive. So I would do book tours. And we were obviously polar opposites in every way. I couldn't have cared for someone more just because of how he touched other people yeah. and how th he made them feel. So here was a kid who was 21 that was teaching me how to interact with people and be gentle. Right. And that's always something I've been very proud of. And as tour managers know me, if someone goes, yeah, your security team's rough, they're like, it's not our security team. Right. <laughs> they're like, it's the venue. Yeah, or... yeah, they're like, that's not Tom's team, trust me. Yeah. So, you know, we try to change the, the climate a little bit. And uh, the funny thing now is with Metallica, the fans are in their 50s now, so mosh pits are not as aggressive. Right. And with Robert Plant, it's basically like uh, just keep out, you know, for oxygen and hip replacements. <laughs> right. so much. That could be a lot of work, it, too. It, well, listen, the, the Robert Plant fans are great because some of them haven't been to a concert since the 60s. Right. So those little bit of shrooms and six beers they had, they're out. Right. So at 5 o'clock, they're, they're being dragged time. out. Yeah. And I'm like, man, stick around. Give him some water. We want him to stay. He's not going to see the show for another 10 years. <laughs> right. So it's adjusting to each each yeah. one. I did want to tell you that with the food thing. We, yeah, but yeah. I think all Sorry. of this is important because I think we talk a lot and I'm and and the biggest the biggest thing that I struggled with was staying motivated, you know, this kind of thing and then having life throw shit at me that would that would be enough to go like, well, I can't do it because right. of because of some external force. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the external force is, work of or course, of course. something happened yeah. or this. At home or yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, um it's it becomes too hard. Now I think a lot of it is 
was for me that I would build these structures that could never last forever. Right, right, right. And so I did have to go like, well, how do I, what structure can last forever? Can I find a gym in any random town I go to? As you know, you can. If you fucking look, you'll find it. Even if you have to take a cab to it or walk an extra mile. I've done the $100 cab thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then food becomes super difficult, as you know, especially around America. Um, it's not always easy to get quote unquote clean no, food. No, it isn't. You know, and so that's another thing where I, I could be dissuaded, but I can figure that out too. And then I, I like how you have the categories and you're like, if I can get three of these things, I'm good. Yeah. That's a good thing to think with. But what what is it that Your keeps goals you? are different. I listen to you all the time. And by the way, God damn, you inspire a lot of people. I, you really do. I know fit guys going, God damn, this guy's inspired. I, it, when I watch it, couldn't be more inspired. But I get there's blocks. And I think I make a, like, a, we can rationalize anything, sure. right? So I fake rationalize. The joke with me is I'm not that hard to fool. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just, my goals are simple. When I come home, I want to be three to five pounds. If I have two months, I want to be three to five pounds of muscle or stronger, better, and maintain on the road. Right. The the running thing is when do you lift? When you're happy, you lift. When you're sad, you lift. You go through a breakup, you lift. You yeah. get a new girlfriend, you lift. I have no excuse. And it's just part of me. And I'm not saying everybody else. Na- and I don't have the world's greatest genetics. Trust me. It's just constant. It's that thing. Just show up. Um, I wanted to tell you something because I remember you struggling with weight. And I remember in my 20s. So this was inherent. Just like when I talked about my brother, Steve, I was incredibly incredibly sensitive to gay bachelors and I wasn't did not react well sure so I had the same thing when we're at a gym and I'm talking to some of the toughest gyms and a large person walks in and some you know fit guy says something I go nose to nose I go they're fucking here right they're here yeah so my thing is if I just show up for half an hour it's better than if I would have stayed on the couch for half an hour because I know I wouldn't have felt better yeah but my thing is we're always going to have those moments that affect us I always think do I just need to run in the gym for half an hour and just blow it out and maybe even look at the this equation a little bit better I know sometimes I overreact I I knock it out come back and I can talk a little bit calmer yeah and see but you're in a position where I when we talked originally it was to get cut yeah it was to get big and my question is there a number where we could just stay there and be happy because so you know I've been between 232 and 238 for 25 years wow and when I was with Green Day, one day I stepped on, and it was 247. It, and on me, it doesn't look a, a lot different. My j- jaws look a little bit. So I was like, Man, let's go keto. Yeah. And I tried it. I dialed it in. And I was 230, and I had abs for days. Yeah. And I was like, is this the most important thing in life? No, I want to look a certain way. But I always can rationalize what the next goal is. Right. And for you... I think you're so far ahead because it's the lifestyle, man. And you now know what works, and you can pull back a little. I've actually heard one of your guests, Mike Dolce, who's super tough on that, yeah. which is his life, and I completely, completely agree. 
But I'm a, I take those steps. I yeah. heard him say, well, if you do whiskey, no. I got to live life a little bit, you yeah. know? And I've been doing it for 45 years, so I feel like I have a little bit of leeway. Well, but that, I mean, this is a great point, too, because... We talk about balance. If we're thinking of our whole lives, if no. we're thinking of restructuring yeah. so that we can live a certain way, and you go like, well, God, I got to give up whiskey forever. And you really like whiskey, and you're not, and it's yeah. not a problem in no, your life. Not at all. Then I don't see that's got to be part of the Listen, equation. Yeah, this is where it comes from. That's that person. It will take him out of the question or out of that conversation. A lot of people believe that, and then it goes back to my original story. If I didn't have balance, yeah. If this is all I talked about and did, I mean, this is big for me to talk to you. It's been since I was 20 that I talked about, you know, lifting a protein powder and all that stuff. Yeah. My whole goal was to find balance. And, you know, mine is art. Yeah. So I have that balance. So, and I can have a conversation. And I, I try to be articulate and diplomatic. Things I didn't do when I was. But, yes, I have whiskey. Right. But what I was. I, it doesn't seem to be fucking up your life. No, not at all. And. I stay fit. Yeah. So we were at the Eiffel Tower in a five-star restaurant with uh, the guitar player for Metallica. And he's a foodie beyond belief and is spending a lot of time with him. So we're about to order dessert. And I go, no, nah, I'm good. And he's looked at me and goes, what are you doing? Right. You're going to have dessert. We're going to be at Michelin star restaurants. You're going to see the greatest food. And here I am, a poor kid yeah. from a trailer turning down, you know, the, the most amazing food. So I made a decision. This goes back to bro science, which I'm sure every nutritionist would fight me. But I'm already going to do an hour tomorrow. Then I'm already going to do 25 minutes a hit. So I add 20 minutes for that lava cake. Yeah. Probably doesn't work, but in my head, it does. No, but I think it does balance out overall. I, I would, I am hesitant to suggest people increase exercise okay. in order to lose weight. But I think, I think guy, it's a guilt weight for me. A guy like yeah, yeah, you who's yeah. been doing it for yeah, for yeah. forty years, yeah. I don't think it matters. I think yeah. at that point you know your body well enough. But I think if somebody has a hundred pounds to lose, absolutely, not. it's, it's yeah, a thing yeah. of like no, no, no. take a break from the desserts for a while. You can bring 100%, them back. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think we're still talking about me walking around. To 35. Right. I know I'm going to walk six miles with him tomorrow. Yeah. The point was for him looking at me going, dude, these are the, this is the greatest food in the world. It doesn't mean I'm going to eat something I don't want, but I'm a chocoholic. So I see that. And in my mind, and by the way, in Paris, it's macaroons and profiteroles yeah. and all that stuff. And it's not a lot of them. It's just to taste it and feel good. But I probably don't even need that extra 20 minutes, but I do it so I know when I'm eating that, I go, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow yeah. by take, trying to take it off. Again, no nutrition or trainer is going to agree, but that's kind of what I do. And then I don't drink a lot of beer just because of the calories. Yeah. But I will have a whiskey. Or when I'm going strict keto, I have a little bit of vodka. Yeah. Um, and then put ice and all that, the accoutrements to make me feel like I'm having a real drink. Yeah. But when I shut it down, I shut it down. I'm like a cyborg. I mean, <laughs> right. I shut it down. And it gets just dialed in tight. Dialed in. Like, there's veins coming out. I'm like, oh, where'd that come from? Because yeah, yeah. I'm not a, a vascular guy. Right. When my abs start having veins, I'm like, this shit works. Something's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But my concern is if I get under 225, for me, it makes me nervous because in clothes, 
I look thin. I look much better without clothes, but I can't show up to a Metallica show on the barricade, take my shirt off. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not skinny. You're going to start flexing. Yeah. Probably not going to go. Well, dude, I'm running into a fucking situation now where Brandy has started to say to me a couple of times, like, you look small. And I'm like, why'd you say that? Yeah. Because... I dealt with that my whole life. Why, yeah, why yeah. did you say that to me? I don't want to look small. Yeah. I want to be a giant. But she might be thinking it as a compliment. I'm sure she is. I yeah. mean, yeah, she's saying, like, isn't this great? You look tiny. And I'm like, fuck First you. First of all, you don't. You look great. But that word, you know, lean is the word we want to hear. <laughs> yes. You're looking lean. You still can kind of... Shape it into what you want to think. Yeah. But it's skinny and small. Or I see photos of me at work and I just get so pissed. And I go, wait a second, I was like 240. And it was just your angle and your arms twisted and all that. And you're like, yeah. I have the yeah. double whammy though, Tom, because I see photos sometimes too and I'm like, I'm so fat. Recently? All the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, or like I yeah. sit down and it's yeah. like, I got a lot of loose skin still, right. which can, when I sit down, kind of hang like a little bit of a gut. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm just like, ugh, yeah. this is it. What's happening here? And then I stand up and I have to make sure, like, is, it, is everything okay there? So I, I, it's, I get it. it. The irrationality is there no matter what. If Brandy said, I, you're looking huge, I would also be like, well, what the fuck does that mean? What do you mean Isn't I look funny? huge? Am yeah. I fat? You know? For tough guys, we're really sensitive. Oh, man. <laughs> Can't catch a break. It's but like, our mind doesn't worsen oh, anything. But it, it, it does motivate me. My girl never says anything. She's learned. Right. Just don't say anything. Yeah. I'll tell you how I look, you know. And then you <laughs> yeah. just repeat it. But you know what's funny? And girls do this with their clothing. But you and I, you could pick five T-shirts. One makes you look so much different yeah. than the other. So you walk down and everybody's like, dude, you look ripped. Next day you wear a different shirt and you go, what's going on? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah. Same body. Yeah. Just like when I see photos, I'm like, it's the shirt or it's the angle. And right. like, why am I making excuses, man? Just show up, get it done. Yeah. If quit, I wear a 2X shirt now, yeah. I, I'm just like, I, I don't know who I am anymore because it's so loose. But at the same time, I look smaller. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Because I know a ton of bodyguards or people in the business that look thick, man. You know, they're, but not a lot going on. You, right. know, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, always been i have to stay at that weight so i look good in clothes but not to sound i look different without clothes i'm much leaner than i look so it's always a surprise yeah which is great when you're young and you're dating you're like, oh i didn't know that was there <laughs> right. but a lot of these guys aren't fit so there is a confidence issue i know for a fact i've been with clients and the other guys we're at the beach and they you know they're bodyguards and they won't take the shirt off in the sun right I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that lack of confidence can absolutely affect your work. Sure. So for me, whether I look good or not, if the lifting part for me is a confidence that makes me feel better when I'm doing my job, then that's enough for me. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. I, I have a, a bizarre affinity for cutting. Like, I, I like it. When yeah. I'm cutting, I, I feel... 
I feel like I'm doing something. You know what I mean? When I'm withholding a little bit of food, I yeah. feel like I feel it's like it's a discipline. Yeah. And when I'm on maintenance, maintenance is fun. That's an interesting word, though. It sounds like you're not being disciplined, but that's not true. It's very, it's very yeah. di- disciplined. Yeah. Yes. And then I did, and then my trainer built in this this. Um, he was like, let's put on some muscle. You're going to do a massing phase. Right. And I was like, I don't, this is scary, and I don't know. And he was like, it's fine, it's fine. What was scaring you? Is the me? idea of gaining weight, okay. of eating oh, yes, too much. Of course. You know, this yeah. was terrifying. And yeah. so I do it. And literally the day I couldn't convince myself that I didn't look fat again. Like normally I can look and find something like, oh, no, I still see my traps. Yeah. There's still lines there. My shoulder, my delts still have a line. I'm okay, right? Right. The day that I couldn't do that, I was just like, no, I'm fucking fat again. Yeah. This is a disaster. That's, yeah. I got I got a movie and the director was like, I want you to have your shirt off in this movie. And I was like, well, I'm done fucking massing. Yeah. I, I got to. Okay. I'm cutting again. So when's this coming up? I, I leave in a couple of weeks um, to do it. But yeah, but then I, I had to do maintenance because going from massing to cutting. So, is how not do a you rationalize idea. that? I mean, obviously, work is very important, yeah. you know. And uh, I heard you say something that since you got fit, you didn't think you were getting as, as many roles. Yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, listen, to be honest with you, I could go back to like doing TV series after having been a movie guy for 10 years right. and then I did My Name is Earl and I did a bunch of pilots and I did a show Chance which you Loved saw. Loved it. Chance was good. One of my favorite characters you were back. Now what were you in that? How, how if you don't what was your size? I was uh, it's very intimidating. Yeah 370 yeah. Th- 370 maybe close to 400 okay. towards the end of the first season. I was big. Yeah. yeah. But it still it was an intimidating big. I, yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't. Yeah. I was lifting weights the yeah. whole time. Okay. But I was also eating like like yeah. a maniac. Yeah. Was that something they wanted, or you chose? No. Or? I, well, I went into it uh, big, and he's supposed to be a big dude. Yeah, he is. And, intimidating. Uh, and I just was like, well, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. It was like my four-year uh, kind of bro science massing yeah. phase. That was a real. I got up to four hundred pounds. Well, listen, I love the fact you have these very educated people that come on, and then you have the normal person like me. Yeah. But there's place for everyone. We we pull, pick and pull that information. If you saw the vitamins and uh, stuff I had, someone would say that dude's obsessive and all that. Just. It's what makes me tick. And, you know, I go out for a walk with a client. I have my gym bag. I got the cup. I got the water. I got the whey protein, yeah. beef sticks, uh, whatever I need to in case we don't eat well. Yeah. So the back of my mind, I'll, I'll at least have that background. So preparing, but I listen to people like your guests and you that are a lot smarter and they pick what seems to work. And at some point, the problem is, as you know, if you line up all these, the BCAs, the amino greens and everything, put it up there, you're like, I don't know what actually works. Right. If I pull six, will it still work? Or is it the combination? Yeah. Because I don't think I, I'm obsessive, but when I line up the BCAs and the way, then the casing at night and the, you know, the, the, the 
sweet potatoes and all that. To the normal person, it looks like a lot, you know, a lot. But I mean, but everything you've just said sounds like to me. I go like, yeah, yeah, I know all that. I there when I if I ever go on like somebody's website who's selling supplements and you just go down and you're just like I've never heard of half of this shit what does that do and you're reading and then you don't even understand from the description of what it does breaks down some fucking metabolite and helps do this and that I go like at some point it's too much I agree I I take casein at night yeah, because it was the only thing that I never woke up hungry. Great. I, yeah, I, I sleep release. through the night. Yeah, yeah. Sleep through the night, never yeah. woke up. Because there were times when I'd be cutting where I wake up in the middle of the night fucking starving. Yeah. And yeah. so that's not good. Right. Um, whey protein before I work out and I carry it with me too yeah. because yeah. it's it's easy and it's calories and it's protein. Yeah. That's it. And if you miss a meal, just throw some. Yeah. yeah. And beef sticks are easy. And, and like power bars yeah. are easy. Yeah. And I have that in case or even if I don't have a great meal. Yeah. yeah. But listen, when you do your promos, it's a different person. Like you're very calm when you're talking in an interview. <laughs> yeah. And I'm lifting something. All of a sudden someone's I'm screaming. I'm like, I just go out and buy it because I'm nervous. I'm just like, please don't start selling yachts and cars because I can't afford it. I got yelled at by a bunch of people complained about it. I loved it. I liked it too. And I just was like, okay, I'll do some subdued ones. But I just was like, let's get excited and let's let them know it's like a different thing. Listen. I went out the next day and it wasn't because of you. I'm like, God, it works. It's 75 vitamins. Right. And I'm like, that poor cow just smelled grass and he's considered grass fed. That's not cool. Yeah, you know? I'm grass. like, that, fuck that. Yeah. But I got the music and yeah. all that. And the cereal, I'm not ready to jump on, but right. I'm like, please don't sell anything too expensive because you got me sold. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you sell, no, I'm so sure it's, it's inexpensive stuff. Cereal, no. beef sticks, and uh and super By the way, fruit. I do like that. I've always had beef jerky and all yeah. that stuff, especially when you're trying to do the the paleo thing but every once in a while you talk about you're kind of nervous in a crowd yeah yeah i want someday to get you with me in the barricade of a metallica show but that's still separate from the crowd right it is separate okay you'd wear headsets like this which shuts the sound out yeah you'll still hear the band but i just want you and i know you've been in big environments and the energy technically isn't at us, but it's coming at us. Yeah. To feel 80,000 people Fuck just that, coming dude. at what you. What are you talking? I just so, got anxiety no, it's hearing so this. powerful because it's silent and you can control things. Yeah. And you're literally 10 feet away from just going to this. I get it. Yeah. I, trust me. I know. It's probably the worst thing I could. I'm just telling you, there is a safe place with all this going on. And I feel like if you ever get to that place, because I know when we had dinner, it was before COVID. And I think we had a show coming up. I wanted to get you there. Yeah. And then you're like, I don't even want to be at the back of arena. I get it. And I think I'm kind of just playing with you. But there's a, a really interesting power of being there and seeing all this love and energy coming your way. Yeah. And it's quiet. Yeah. So you can see eyes and faces and emotion and screaming and yelling, but it's silent. So it kind of calms you down because the second you take the headphones out, it's craziness. And but if you didn't you have f- that focus. Can you feel the sound? Can you, like, oh, like absolutely. How you feel yeah, because bass? there's my, yeah, the bass is just killing you. If you yeah. stand at the wrong place, I think you know this, but I ran the main stage at Coachella for about seven years. Yeah. So at the headliners, it's 120,000 people. Obviously, you only see the first, you know, 500. By the way, I hadn't seen your wife in 20 years. 
And that's where I saw her. Yeah. She was there with her daughter about eight to ten years ago, maybe. Right. And they were seeing Arcade Fire, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And there's voices. And because I'm known and in the middle, every security guy says, someone's calling you. And I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And I just hear the squeaky. <laughs> and I look. She had not changed at all. Yeah. I was looking at a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Her face. And she's like, this is my daughter. I'm like, how's that even possible? Yeah. And that's where we kind of connected. But that's another thing where you're just feeling the energy, you know. And, yeah, there's there's sounds you feel. And, and listen, there's barricades in countries and floors that move. Right. So if you get anxiety in general, that's not where you want to be. I've been where the floor is moving. Yeah. And it gets a little crazy. I just thought, you know, listen, I used to go to concerts as a kid and... And there was something really freeing about just just letting go and being a part of that madness. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point I just went like, what, what, what am I putting myself here for? Like, I'm not yeah. I'm not running around in a circle pit anymore yeah. doing a wall of death. Yeah. You know, uh, put my hip, hip out doing yeah. stuff like that. If I see a, a nightclub in a movie... I was just like, oh, why would anybody, you know, dancing and everybody, yeah. like Miami style? Yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. I'm like, why would anybody go there yeah. on purpose? Yeah. And the thing is, I have to do that with clients. Um, of course, I don't tell. I am miserable. I can't count the seconds. And by the way, you know what that time is doing? Cutting into my gym time, <laughs> right, and my exactly. sleep time. Yeah. And like, the sooner we get in, I can start the clock and get my six hours and go to the gym. But that type of stuff, the da, 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 that's tough. Tom, after hearing that you're finding a way to go to the gym after a 20-hour day or before yeah. a 20-hour yeah. day or how, or in the middle of a 20-hour yeah. day, yeah. I don't think I'll ever have another good excuse to miss the gym. I wouldn't get through a tour. I wouldn't feel good about myself. Yeah. You know, with Robert, can I tell you real quick, he'll, we'll have breakfast. He, lo he loves that I train and he lets me go. So I'll go for an hour. And then he'll get a call. Let's go for a walk. It's the second we get back, he's like, I'm going to take it straight to cardio. Right. Just it breaks up, but you're still doing it just to feel better when we go to the show. I feel like I've done everything I can physically to be ready. My mind's sharp. I know a lot of people that have excuses. And I get it, man. But it's just not for me. Yeah. You know, the 20 hour day, it's not going to be a great workout, but it's going to, something's going to happen. Yeah. That's, it's probably connecting my mind more than my body because sure. I'm probably too worn out, but it gets me through and it makes me feel like I'm doing something for my job and the people I'm working for. Do you think, it, do you feel like there, it connects your mind to your body? I always feel like I go in and I'm, I'm kind of separated a little bit. Like, like. My attention is never, I'm not focused. And then I come out and I know, like, I have focus, something like that. So when that. you walk in and you're thinking about a script or something, Randy said, can you just shut that off or not? It's not easy. I, I No, I, I do shut that off. Somewhere in there, that stuff just doesn't matter yeah. anymore. Somewhere in yeah. that time in the gym. It has to. It has to be yeah. your time. Yeah. Again, the corny story, you showed up. Right. Anything you do for that hour is so much better than what you used to do. Yeah. And you, we got to give ourselves credit at some point, you know, and just say, listen, if every minute that I trained, I would have read a book, I'd have a lot more to offer the world probably, but this is what I chose for me. And I, I'm happy with it, you know. Yeah. 
But breaking it down and being too hard on yourself ah, doesn't go anywhere. You know, you're going to have moments where you have a terrible week or a terrible... I just look at it as like a vacation from the gym. Yeah, and again, like, if we're thinking about goals and long-term goals, and <clears throat> I struggled forever. First of all, I didn't make very specific goals. I, it was all I kind of that. ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. You know? Every time I talk to you, I notice I get a little nervous because I think if you do something similar, not to me, but just choose a, a, a little window of weight and go, that's where I want to say, do you ever look at, you know, you you deal with bodybuilders. I never wanted to be a bodybuilder, never wanted to look like a bodybuilder. I wanted to be an athlete. And whether this is good, different, this is what I thought the best version of me for bodyguard. Yeah. 6'2", 6'1", now with my back surgery, <laughs> around the 235 for 30 years. Around there is what I want to look like. Is there a better version of that? Absolutely. But this is my version. Yeah. I didn't want to look like Lee Haney. I wanted to be agile. I still, we don't brag about it, but we have to chase people. People get on stage, you got to be able to run. We, you know, those things happen. So at some point, kind of figure out whether it's Aquaman or whoever it is, where there's a common look or feel, it might be slowly kind of fit in that, that works for your frame and your time frame. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have very specific short-term goals. Right. My long-term goal is like, I have a goal for for the year, right? right? And then within that, I have a goal for, you know, I have a goal for today yeah. and a goal for this week and a goal for these right. three months and a goal for the day I start shooting this movie on May 27th. I have a very specific goal to get to by then and then I have a goal to maintain but through it. you're different because... You can't have a specific goal because it's going to change two months. Well, and it the does next when phone the movie call. comes. No, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're in a much difficult, more difficult situation than I am. All of a sudden, they might like, this is the greatest role, and you have to be 320, and you're like, it's not really healthy. Yeah, I don't know if I do that. Yeah. I don't know if I but do that. But it's an option, and yeah, that's great. But my point is, you're going to get, every time they you know, put you up for role, they have a vision of what they want you to look like. Yeah. So whatever you did for the last six months, maybe you got to 250, and you're perfect for you, and they're like, we need you 275, or then it changes. So you can't personally have a set goal unless you just call that that's your maintenance size right. and then I'll get ready for this role and I'll come back to 250 whatever that weight yeah, well, is no maintenance is 260 okay that's my maintenance yeah, weight yeah it's good. I mean, I have visible abs at 260, that's, so it works. Yeah, that's shocking. They're not they're not my 250 abs, yeah. but they're abs. Yeah. Yeah. Which means your core is strong, which is something that no one cares about, but is incredibly <laughs> important yeah. to build abs. You have to have a core. Yeah. You know, I just chose, you know me, i am got the weird neck and traps and then abs. By Every, the way, I always think traps are the most, yeah. the most impressive thing. I've always kind of just, that was a big part of my week with shoulders. I'd just do heavy shrugs. Yeah. And then, as and you we know. We talked about the bridges and <laughs> yeah. the lifting of the Yeah. And the I'm neck. lucky. At the Golds, I'm now they literally have a neck machine you can put plates on and just do that. Really? So I'm living on that. Yeah. And then abs were just something about 15 years ago. I just said I'll do it every single day. Yeah. Every single day with weights. So they get distended. It looks like a muscle. It's yeah. not concave like a swimmer's. So even when I get like five pounds overweight, I have a belly with abs. It's right. very strange. Yeah. But if I concentrate on the diet, you'll see them more. But no one sees them. Yeah. Sure, it never comes off at work. It's yeah. not a really big part of the day. Yeah. Not yeah. And for me, it was. 
it it never was a thing I thought about. And then I got down to like close to 200 pounds and was doing cardio the whole time and was really lean. When you would do the bike. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, at one point I was like, how come... I can't see my abs. Like, right. well, I'm killing myself right. every day exercising. I'm not eating anything. How come I can't see my abs? And then come to find out that's not how you get abs. Right. You don't just do a bunch of cardio, right? right? And, and you don't diet as quickly as I was right. dieting at right. the time on super, super low calories. It's yeah. just not the way for most people right. how they come. Right. You know, I'm sure there are some... Yeah, it's genetic gift. Yeah, yeah. Godly gift. I know a few, but right. I'm not yeah. one of them. Yeah, if you starve yeah. yourself for two two weeks, your abs show up. Yeah. Okay, good. That's not me. That's not most people. Yeah. When we were talking before, though, it's also who motivates you. Yeah. And I have a few friends that will just say something. I have Clay, my friend Clay Guida in the UFC, and Mike, who's a referee, Beltran, and they'll just text me and say something to fire up. You need someone in your corner and just go, dude, shut up. Quit yeah. crying. Fucking, you got 40 more minutes. Yeah. And I don't have, so, I don't train with anybody. So I need one of my buddies to just go, dude, shut up. Yeah. Just get to the gym. I have the, Tom Kyer is my guy for That's that. That's great. And he's the guy who in the show Chance I was playing, and I've had him on the oh, show a nice. couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And at one point, um, I tore my bicep at work. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what happened, and I had long sleeves on, but I, I heard a pop, I felt a tremendous pain at the bottom of my forearm, and I was like, holy shit, and Tom kind of pulled me aside and he said, you tore your bicep. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, do you want to shut down work? And I said, no. And he said, okay, we'll figure it out after. And I was like, okay. And throughout the day, um, I would just go up to him and go, Jesus, Tom, this really hurts. And he'd go, I don't care about your pain. And I'd go, wow. yeah, but if I tell anybody else, yeah. they're going to shut down yeah, work and we're going to exactly go to the right. hospital. Yeah. And he'd go, okay, well, you can keep telling me then. But just know, I don't care about your pain. Yeah. And it was just that kind of thing of like, you know, work through We need it that or, guy sometimes, but right. not all the time. Uh, yeah. It's hardcore if, you, if yeah. you have it all the time. But there's yeah. situations like that where yeah. I was in pain for the rest of the day at yeah. work. But I, it didn't didn't get any worse it yeah. was ruptured the bicep tendon was ruptured it wasn't I've, going anywhere i've had it yeah we were in belgium and i had to pick up a kid and instead of picking him up they threw her at me and she was a big girl and you just heard it pop yeah and the hinge came down to here Ooh, that's worse up yeah. top the hinge came off and you if you wanted to know you could feel the hinge right so the doctor pulled me out and he goes not a problem would do surgery i said how long would i be out and he says, like, three months. I just said, what fucking world do you live in where you think I could take three months right. off work? And then I told him my age, and he's like, oh, you, you don't need to do it. Because well, he's like, it's going to not There's a couple up. places. It's it's attached three times up here, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. you just lost one of them? Uh, it feels like two. Okay. Because it's literally like a hook. So it's hanging on you with a You can feel thread. it here. Right. And for a long time, I mean, it was six months of doing five pounds and you know it atrophies and it freaks you out as you know yeah. and you're just like yeah is my this? right bicep is a hell of a lot smaller yeah. than my left well i'm shocked that a year later i was lifting equal weights because at that time and i had a, a rotator cuff torn yeah. lower back l7 surgery right foot surgery so i got my is all is any of that from lifting weights or is that uh, all from probably yeah, yeah. well it probably broke it down through time, so you were vulnerable. Um, 
I jumped off the stage in New York and it was about 12 feet and I think I broke my foot. But it always just tender. So seven years later, <laughs> we're doing a walk through Paris and we walked for eight hours and I was wearing these boots and my foot just swelled up and they it's x-ray and they go, it's broken in two spots. You've got to get surgery. Right. So we're on a tour. So basically like you, we play, we play in pain you just shut your mouth no one wants to hear about a bodyguard that's hurt is we can all do this scene from lethal they don't weapon care about and your start pain. doing scars yeah it does matter. i just there are times i've been on the side of the stage i wouldn't tell anybody where i'm like if someone gets on i can't go i'm having back spasms right and i can't move so we were out with lincoln park and we were in indianapolis and our lead singer was playing basketball and broke his foot. Right. Literally broke his foot. We had to cancel the show. Or he tried he did the show on a scooter. Next day we take a bus to Pittsburgh and they cancel the tour. And they're like, it's gonna be minimum six to eight weeks. And I my wife, who was my girlfriend, she goes, Why don't you do your foot surgery now? Right. And we made a call two days later, I'm getting foot surgery and I'm texting Chester. I'm like, hey man, you good? I'm I'm gonna catch up with you in the whole thing. And that was the only reason I could do the foot surgeries because he was doing one too. Right. So if I want to do a back surgery and I gotta find a client that's susceptible to you know, hang gliding or something where yeah. he breaks his back <laughs> and I can go get my you back do matching surgeries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. What 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 got you into security? Was this just graduating from being a bouncer? I was not even a bouncer very, very long time. I wasn't good at it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Especially when I was beating up drunk, drunk drivers. That didn't really work. I just, I was coaching. That's what I was really good at. You know, to this day, my brother, my youngest brother is like, you were, that was what you were supposed to do. And I was like, this is what I do now. Yeah. So it just kind of fell in. I was uh, pretty young. Uh, I was supposed to get the head job, which I would have been the youngest head coach in the Valley. Things were looking good. They kind of backdoored me, and the guy came back. So I was like, fuck it, I'm out of here. And one of the kids' fathers was working for a very prestigious company. I went there. A year later, I was like, not a good fit. and started my own company. Eight years later, the art really took off. The sports art really took off. So I took three years to do sports art. I was doing covers of magazines, lithographs for uh, Shaquille O'Neal and the USC and the Dodgers and all that. And then that just kind of floated and band called Live came around and I met them and it was a perfect fit. And they took me on because they liked me. I wasn't qualified to tour. Within a year, I was. And then I went to Creed, then Lincoln Park and System of the Down. We had a lot of amazing tours. But that's where it started. And I think I just never thought I was going to travel, ever. Yeah. I was a poor kid in a trailer. I wasn't I would travel. Yeah. So the thought of traveling. And then my brother got into music. And then I thought that was cool. I'm 15 years older, and all of a sudden... You know, he's the singer for Hoobastank. Right. And he was having a really nice career and sometimes opening for the bands I'm with. And I just really started enjoying it. And I met some spectacular people, the guys in Metallica. And I mean, biggest gift I ever got was meeting Robert Plant and the whole crew that I travel with. So I didn't think it was going to be a career. I wouldn't do anything else. I love what I do. And even with. 21 pilots and meeting these kids it's it's awesome yeah. it's really just awesome yeah so it's just a, a, a thing for me is 
during COVID, I drew more than I've ever drawn in my life. Right. Because I know I've been watching on your Instagram. You can put them out. And I, you know, and there's another thing. I don't want to sell them. I want to give them to charities. Yeah. All of them. And just say, where can this be the most use? Yeah. Because I can draw tomorrow. I can do another drawing. I can make prints for anybody. Yeah. But let's get these out and and get them to help. You know, I did one at Chester and I just wanted, how can we get this money somewhere where it could help? So hopefully that'll happen. Now that we're in Austin, I'm going to approach some uh, art galleries and see if they can help out and just get it to the right place. And then it looks like things are opening up and we're excited to tour again. It's going to be nice. It's it's yeah. We're going to get you in the barricades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder when that will be. When will there be concerts like that again? I think next year. Yeah, I think next year. Twenty One Pilots is planning on some stuff this fall, um, and if it's safe, we will. Yeah, uh, we're doing a virtual show coming up in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to go to Columbus for a while, and I'm working with the NCA and some companies to help work uh, be a COVID supervisor and work on protocol which will cross over to what I do with the tours just have a, a really good educated protocol and information for tours yeah and, and uh, I think it's just really important we get these kids back on the floor you know it's just you know traveling as you know all these different countries that the people look so different whether it's Japanese or Honduras music family sports right those three things are what they have so much passion. And sometimes we get caught up on what we do here in America. When you're in South America and see the passion or Australia of a band from America, and that's why it's so overwhelming for some of these bands, because they all have our story. You know, they weren't rich. They were never thought, they didn't know any of this was going to come. And now you're in front of 80, 100,000 people at festivals and the energy of people that don't look like you. Yeah. You're unifying in a small way, the world, right? you know, and that's such a powerful thing to see. So when you're just a, a, a spectator, even though you're part of it, you feel that energy and you really walk around going, I got to do something positive too, to unite. So on my Instagram, I barely say anything, but I'm always like, let's just concentrate what we have in common, whatever that may be. And we might have a lot of things we don't agree with. So let's talk about what we do agree with. And for now it's, it's food and and, uh, and I wanted to ask yeah. you about food. We haven't talked about. I heard you did keto for a bit. Yeah. You did paleo for a bit. Is that how you generally eat? I stay pretty close to that. Yeah. yeah. I, and again, I'll get yelled at by nutritionists, which I understand. I almost do no, athletic. It doesn't matter. Whatever like, works. Like athletic keto because sometimes I do lack energy and I'll put in a a, a sweet potato. So I love sweet potatoes as carbohydrates if I'm going to do. If I'm on keto, I'm not breaking it by doing a pizza or anything like that. Right. The cheat day. So when I was starting keto, I was with uh, Green Day, and I was on the bus with the, the drummer, train his wife, amazing people, and they busted my balls for the keto thing because I'm making, like, my fat bombs <laughs> in trays you know in microwaves and cooking while they're having nachos and all that stuff and every once in a while I think they admired that I was disciplined but every time he saw me cheating or having chocolate he goes ah and I look at him I go what day is it he goes what do you mean I go Sunday right so about the fourth time he sees me chocolate he goes must be Sunday (laughs) because Monday through Saturday I was on it as much as you know you could yeah well no I was on it completely 
And with catering, that's another thing with catering. It's there. You can eat good. Yeah. But you can eat bad just as easy. And I've seen people, bodyguards blow up 60, 70 pounds in a year because it's free food and it's there. And it's probably delicious. It can be spectacular. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of bands have their own chef. But even the, there's usually a lot of times a traveling catering company and they know what you're like. And if they knew you like cheeseburgers, man, they'd be throwing you. I used to just say, can I just get avocado a couple extra during the day? And first thing, hey, here's your avocados, you know. Right. Because I would just add it to everything, eggs or whatever. And I felt like, and then I got pretty lean. And then I was doing what you do with the weights and the numbers. I'm like, I don't know. And if I dropped a pound more than I wanted, I'd eat a sweet potato. Yeah. You know, or cheat day would get super aggressive. Yeah. But I used to watch the thing with Rock talk about, you know, 16 pizzas and 42 burgers. I was like, I'm not sure I'm buying this. But I ate a lot the first, but by the third cheat day, wasn't that interested. Yeah, I mean, I could do a lot of damage on a whole cheat day. I just go, I just would go to town. Yeah, it would be, I would just obsess about like what I'm going to eat that day. Yeah, no, that's the exciting part of it. Yeah. But I I don't, I've never had that massive appetite. So by the, you know, start of the second burger, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I thought about it. I did enjoy it. Yeah. But I didn't need to do it. And by the third time, I eat all those things, but less. Which became more affordable, too, because in the beginning, man, you're dropping 80 bucks a day on burgers and pizza on Sundays yeah. and stuff. It's yeah, exciting. it becomes a hefty day, and I would, like, search out the the best place, the new place. There's a place in L.A. right now called Spoon and Pork. I've heard you talk, yeah. Oh, my God, and it's just every, you know, pork knuckles that are deep fried and braised for 12 hours, and it just... And I would go there. That would be my place. But I don't really do that. I mean, it's been years since I've done that. Well, I'm in Austin now, so it can be an issue. Yeah. But burgers here, there is no bad burger here. I don't go to any fast food, but every brewery, which is another of my issues, um, the burgers are insane here. Yeah. I've been to barbecue a couple of times. And... I just want to go like I just want I just want the smoked chicken and I'm going to peel the skin off yeah. and I'm going to eat the chicken breast and then somebody's it, like is that really what you want here and I'm like no I want the beef rib you know yeah. that's the fattiest yeah. most delicious cut of meat and and then I'll just go like it's not the end of the world no, I'm going to have not. that and it's, it's not, not doesn't mean I'm going to the Wendy's drive through after yeah. you know but you have a history so it's just like, I don't want to get heavy, but it's like alcohol. If, if you figure out why you were drinking, it's more than the drinking. And you talked about being alone and eating in the car by yourself. So yeah. you relate fast food probably to being alone. So for me, it's an excuse to kind of celebrate. So yeah. in that window of time, I'm celebrating. And if it's too much, I just don't enjoy it because I know it's not healthy for me or good for me. Yeah. But I've kind of learned how to break that down to about once a week. And we have a grill so every night the last meal is healthy very healthy it's either lean steak or chicken and lots of vegetables asparagus broccoli and she's an amazing cook so that i always know so my thing is just try to be as good as you can and younger guys i always like dude don't be afraid of carbs but let's cut them off at some point right can i tell you what you struggle with is you have a time clock imagine going to bed at three and trying to figure out when your last meal is so with nine o'clock we're going 
going on stage is when I need to eat. Right. So, you know, they're walking and I'm eating something. And then the only thing available to with when you're with the crew is pizza. Yeah. So you have to have your casing and your stuff, but you're craving food. Yeah. So that becomes a challenge, too. And everybody on the bus is having beers and pizza. And you're looking at your baggie and a bottle of water going, is this really it? You right. know? But at that point... If I do too many of those beers, and I've had those, trust me, but if I have like two in a row, I'm like, uh, pull back. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Once you once you figure out something workable, I feel like it's so evident when you deviate from yep. that. And, and this was not something I would have believed had you told me that before I'd experienced it. You know what I mean? Like, if... If somebody said, if you just eat better, you're going to want to eat better, I'd be like, okay, fuck you. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. That's a big statement for somebody who doesn't have the compulsion to eat yeah. poorly. Yeah, yeah. But then it becomes true. I mean, it's also building good habits. But enough times where you recognize like, wow, when I ate that thing, I felt like shit. And I don't like feeling no. like shit. You know, I don't remember that before when that was yeah. all I was eating, but I, You're more I noticed cognizant it now. Of it now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was never a time where, like, if I had a salad, I felt like shit. Right. Salad just didn't taste great. Right. Or you know? fulfill. Or, yeah. yeah. But I never felt bad. I never felt bad from eating a baked guilty, potato. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I never felt guilty, but it also didn't have any adverse, com- adverse yeah. effect on me. Right. Um, but I'll eat a pizza and feel awful, yeah. physically and mentally, yeah. or yeah. a bowl of ice cream. You know, I've heard your, the people come on here and they're like, "Just have a slice," which I get, and I've done that too. Yeah. And we have a, a place that has thick Chicago, and it, when we moved here, it was three slices, then it was two, and now one slice is is plenty. Right. You know, it serves its purpose. You know, I add only ten minutes to that one. Yeah. You know, as opposed to twenty, but I'm a I'm the chocolate guy. That's my issue. Not sugar is my. I know it sounds weird. I don't crave sugar on it. Every, every it's chocolate's my thing. Yeah. So when I started learning about other things that would divert you from that, you know, you get a smaller cocoa chalk, you know, that only has 70 calories. It stopped me from having a Snickers bar, which is 770. Right. So it's kind of getting those things to Is pull. a Snickers bar 7, I think it's 7? 576 or something. Wow. But I'm sure I'd find one to feed half of India. That yeah, would be the, the one big, I the want. Giant. Yeah. The one you got to log out, you yeah. know, with two people. That's yeah. probably one I would do. Yeah, the chocolate thing and ice cream is like hot fudge. And yeah. so I used to do yogurt and go, yeah, yogurt's only 40 calories and then pour hot fudge on it. Right. And go, I it's no one's gonna yeah, figure that. Yeah, at that point, you don't even need to count the ice <laughs> yeah, cream. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's amazing. Listen, it's it's so cool to talk to you about this stuff because for me, one thing, whether you know it or not, your show when I start touring will be in seventy countries because <laughs> I'll be in seventy countries <laughs> right. and I'll be listening to you. Yeah, it's like a part of being home someone you you trust and listen to and you have people that are coming on to help us you know and i love like when you have some celebrities like ashton and dax killed me you know he's funny will sasso one of the funny you guys became like best friends on that show yeah it was so obvious yeah and dax i didn't know and i had met him twice and the second time i met him was for an aussie tribute and he was going to be a presenter of metallica oh wow to play 
So we had met somewhere, and he liked what I did. And I, at the time, he was really only doing MTV. And we were talking and having nice conversations. He's like, I love what you do, blah, 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 Metallica, Metallica. So Metallica is about to be presented, or is about to go on. But our point is to pay tribute or Metallica to Ozzy, right? So Dax goes out there, and again, this is for Ozzy. <laughs> he goes, you're about to hear the greatest rock band in the history of the world. No one does it like this band, Metallica. And everybody's looking around like, are we here for Ozzy? Right. And I was looking at him, and he's kind of figured out the crowd's kind of turning. And he didn't give a fuck. It was so awesome. Yeah. But here he is to pay tribute to Ozzy, and he's like, the greatest heavy metal band of all time, <laughs> right. Metallica. And even the band's kind of like feeling right. like a little uncomfortable. So he came off. And when I remember, I saw that. And then I started hearing him on podcasts. I was like, that's not the person. He's really intelligent, really yeah. smart. Yeah, he's and a smart guy. He has a degree in anthropology. I heard. Yeah. But that's what I like about humanizing your guests that we only see right. on TV. Like even Jamie Presley, when she was talking, I was like, this all makes sense. That's so cool that she has that balance because we're... We, all we've talked about today is having balance and figuring out what it is for you. Yeah. And when it's dialed in and someone you appreciate their work, it is, oh, I can do this too. Yeah. I can make it, figure I, it out. I, I mean, listen, if because there are a lot of uh, plans out there that are being marketed really well that, are, that have nothing to do with balance. Right. That, that, are, that are very much... Uh, a band-aid on an issue that's a lot bigger for a lot of people like it was for me. Right. And you know, if if people are going to cut out bread for the rest of their lives and be able to do that, then that's what they should do. And if somebody's going to not drink whiskey, then that's what they should do. I agree completely. But if you're if you're looking at your life through the lens of like I'm in a really bad place and and I want to change forever I don't know that making a huge radical change as step one is necessarily going to carry you through right. now that said if as time progresses and the small changes are working right and you're reorganizing your life and it's and it's happening for you and you're hitting goals and, and making progress, then there's no harm in dialing it in and getting more and more strict. And, I agree and, completely. And, and so when I look at some of these guys like um, who are kind of, I think of them as selling like the fountain of youth, you know. I got gotcha. you. Very strict, very structured, lots of supplements, lots of weird stuff and you don't yeah. fucking go off of this plan. I think of that as like, yeah, that's for somebody who's got their shit together. I didn't have my shit together for 20 years, and right. I was really, really in. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it's the best. Well, so they're dealing with today. Yeah. Your guest was talking about the best athletes in the world dialing in for their weigh-in. Right. That doesn't cross over to us. It, some of it does. But even that, that's a window of eight hours to, to do that way. And I know he said it took like two months or up to a year. I get all that. Yeah. But for the normal person, it is a, a process of real simple. Will I enjoy it? Yeah. None of this means anything if you go, 
I don't like it. Yeah. I'm done. Right. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. I've seen trainers brag. Two days I had him thrown up. and he was so, Listen, I can take anybody in the world and make him do burpees for an hour, and he's going to be sore and throw up. Yeah. That take, how about doing a program that it makes them excited to come back the next day, and then the next day, and then three years yeah. later, Show we're still doing it. that they can do it. Yeah. And then... Increase it a little bit. Of Make course. it a little bit harder. Whatever. Make like taking everything on as step one. Like if I tried to like address my weight and cigarettes and uh, you know all of that while I was in rehab, I don't know that I even make it's it through rehab. No, it's you too know much. what I mean? It's yeah. too much. So and and again, I, I'm not saying this is absolutely for everyone, but I think if you've if you've had a number of failures at diets or you've had rebounds and weight regains, then maybe like try something more moderation. Try just one step. Get rid of potato chips. I don't know what it is. Anything. Don't go to the drive-thru. Whatever you do, you can even go have the food, but you got to get out of your car and go in. Because for me, there are a lot of the times yeah. I wasn't going to get it. If I had to go into the yeah, restaurant, in the, I wouldn't get it. Yeah. If I made just the drive-through off limits, that would kind of make the restaurant off limits. When someone asks me, which they rarely do, and I certainly, as I said, I don't force any. Start with dinner. Yeah. Make that clean. Yeah. And then everything else keep the same for a while. And then when you're comfortable, like you said, baby steps, then bring that down to lunch. Yeah. And then do nice snacks and then eventually maybe six months to a year then it becomes breakfast yeah. but if 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 you do the opposite and have great breakfast and lunch and have a shit meal it sits in your body as you know and stores as fat so you've done nothing yeah but if we can start with that last meal and burn those calories and not store it i think you lose some weight right yeah. right in the beginning yeah and then you have kind of a foundation i talk to guys a lot who are like it doesn't matter when you eat what or what you do but I know if I have some Gatorade in the gym, yeah. I feel great in the gym, and then I feel fine afterwards. Right. If I drank Gatorade before I went to bed at night, I'd wake up and feel hungover. Okay. Because I've had sugar before of course. Before I go to bed, yeah. and I just feel yeah. like shit in the morning. Of course. It's rocket fuel, yeah. and my body doesn't process it well yeah. when I don't if I don't put it to yeah. use but if I'm in the gym yeah that's I, what I it's notice for. it it's yeah, like it's a basic, fucking yeah. pre-workout yeah. drink and you feel yeah. like you got wings well, you know yeah. well you wouldn't drink a Red Bull or a BCA right before you go to bed it makes no sense I wouldn't yeah but uh, you know I don't know I my but 16 if, year old tells me caffeine has no effect on her and she wants to drink fucking coffee okay. at 10 wow, o'clock at night yeah I, I can't do it no I can't do it at 6 yeah I can't do it past noon, if I'm honest with you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's too much to remember. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, my whole thing is, as I said many times, it works for me. Yeah. I think I'm healthy, I'm sure. Oh, by the way, listening to your, I do blood work every six months. Yeah, me too. Um, I stay on top of my nutrition. I have a friend that's a doctor that's a hell of a lot smarter than me, and they help me with some of my supplements. And then during COVID, I was hitting the immune system hard with D and zinc and all that. I listened to Joe Rogan. and Yeah. Uh, his doctor 
was my doctor in my 20s in the valley right so i was getting a lot of nice education from him that none of my friends were getting kind of these side you know flax and omega back 20 years ago no one was talking about flax and omega and all that and i was and that might have helped me in the long run but yeah. my wife had covid and she was next to me and i didn't get sick and yeah. i feel like my immune system's pretty strong it has to be to have this schedule oh one last thing to anybody listening uh i have terrible sleep apnea really terrible CPAC changed my life. Yeah. So if anybody, I don't know if you ever had sleep apnea. I did when I was 500 pounds really? and it went away. That's great. Yeah. Never went away from me. I still have it. Yeah. But it changed my life because I, my doctor said he, he thought I hit REM for the first time in 30 years. Wow. So here you are lifting, doing everything. And I remember after I was literally sleeping for the first time people thought I was doing growth because I just looked younger right. and I was feeling fit and things were just feeling better because I was sleeping for the first time Yeah. so I was on tour and we were in Costa Rica and it felt like the, my first night of sleep like the skies open, doves are flying and you know, angels singing I was like, this is what it feels like to How sleep. How did you figure out that you had it? Uh, the person I was dating took me to dinner and says, love you, like to spend some time with you a lot. If you don't go tomorrow, we're never going to talk. She goes, I don't care about the snoring. She goes, I'm listening to you choke every night. Whoa. And it was coughing and phlegm and all that stuff. But she was like, you're not breathing. Yeah. And I can't sleep because you're not breathing. Right. And it's I went in there. Worrying her. Of course it did. And I went in and did the test. They called the next day and go, sorry, we fucked up. It's not a cheap test, by the way. It's not covered by insurance. They're like, we fucked up. Can you come back? And I was like, sure. I come in, fall asleep. Ten minutes later, they go, we didn't fuck up. This is the worst numbers we've seen in years. You're not leaving without a mask or it'd be malpractice on our turn. Right. Took two, three weeks. You got the stupid mask on and a hose and all this stuff and super intrusive. And you're like, this, I'm never going to do this. And just one day when I was, like I said, in Costa Rica, it all I was so exhausted. I fell asleep with it. Perfect position. I woke up eight hours later for the first time in 30 years. I slept. Right. And I felt like I ran a marathon. I was like, I can do anything. And then there wasn't a huge adjustment after that? I've I've used it every single night since. Right. I've never taken it off. It, it unfortunately doesn't repair anything, so you have to wear it. So I take that thing like there's a bar of gold through TSA, and I've taken it through every country in the world. And I was like, I will not lose this thing, or else I can't sleep. Yeah. And I get nervous if I do sleep without it because people do die. Yeah. In no, their sleep. it's a real serious thing. Yeah. And what's the acid reflux is so aggressive. Like you're just tasting all this and you're like, oh, this is terrible. Is that part of sleep yeah. apnea? It's part of what I, was happening to me. Right. I know I was having throat blockage and that's where the the death can come. It just blocks off. And a very famous football player, Reggie White, had it. And I was like, that was the time I was having it. And I was like, I can't watch this. So yeah. uh, I can tell you that people comment that <clears throat> I don't, look my age and I think part of it is for the first time I was sleeping right and uh, a lot of my friends would tr try and they say I can't do it and I just beg them just to get through it man yeah because recovery from workouts and everything was a hundred percent different it yeah. was shocking 
but six hours sleep was a real six hours right before 10 hours was three yeah so i wasn't recovering and i was in, always exhausted i was i i snored when i was coaching football in my 20s and one day i was standing up with the clipboard basically yelling at my players and fell asleep in mid-sentence and smacked my head with the clipboard oh my god and they all thought i was joking right and so i had to make a joke out of it. that's what i mean if you don't listen to me i'll smack you with the thing and i was falling asleep yeah so if if people have that because we were talking about balance if you're not getting sleep well i i didn't for 30 years yeah so when i did and that was about 10 years ago and it's changed my life incredibly yeah, positive and sleep is super important yeah Especially on the schedules yeah. we get. Yeah, but I mean, anybody who, anybody who wants to is trying to change something physically, sleep is really important. Of course, that's a big part of the equation. You shouldn't give up sleep. It's yeah, it's it's something I never thought about, and now it's a, a complete priority. Yeah. If I even just feel like I'm going, I just go and say it's just time. Yeah. Right now with COVID, I, I've seen enough Netflix to last me. Right. I'm fine. Yeah. I'll get fine. some extra sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, coming out here and just being excited about new gyms and stuff, because we have we were talking before, I've seen so many gyms, and I found one I'm happy with, you know. So, you know, I, I, I know we're running out of time because I wanted to talk about how we got through COVID. We'll do that another time because yeah. you had to be creative. Yeah. But as much as I talked about how important, there wasn't a chance in the world during that time I was wasn't going to train five days a week right it wasn't going to be an excuse because the fake rationale in my mind was i'm going to get a call and i can't be not fit yeah knowing it wasn't going to happen but that was me talking myself and don't get lazy and i just found a way to do it and i got lucky and found a few gyms but even at my house i was making 30 pounds feel like 100 yeah me too to uh yeah, yeah the heaviest weights i had two 35 pound dumbbells That's what and we i found doing. out yeah. i found ways to use them yeah can think of seven ways to do chess with just a dumbbell yeah and it i found it and i hated myself for it and yeah. even the cables were driving me nuts because i was like i'm sore yeah but after two weeks you're like i'm bored i yeah. gotta do something yeah but we got through it yeah. you know and and that being a priority probably helped the immune side of it too yeah and mental side because once that breaks down then you're more susceptible to some of this other stuff coming yeah in. i felt really shitty about anybody who had started to like change their yeah. lifestyle at all to get hit with that i think it probably set a lot of people back yeah. but we're coming out and yeah. and no time like now so you no. can start again no and if you missed it then you come back raging yeah. even more and just appreciate that lost time just like anything now you're like dude if i get gym time i mean i remember coming here and the gyms were open yeah i was like six days a week yeah. like dude you can't sleep here go away right. i couldn't get enough <laughs> yeah it's awesome you know and i was lucky enough in la to have a few friends that own gyms and now that they're open i'm not gonna say who they are but we yeah. snuck in and we got our workouts in yeah we we did all safely with masks and we didn't get near each other it was a gym that could hold 200 people we had six people in there right and stayed away from each other and nobody got sick you know that's the whole thing i heard today gyms were closed but mcdonald's we're open, so give them shitty food, but don't let them get healthy. That was yeah, a man. And then great they, they, mixed they didn't message. really want you leaving your house to go to McDonald's, but they were postmating McDonald's. Of course, you know, yeah. So you could eat that. Yeah, but and they don't just go leave it at your doorstep. Yeah, yeah. It was a crazy time, but we're, th we're through not it. through it, but we're through I think a lot through of it. it. I yeah, think it's over too. if we want it. Yeah, Tom, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Let's go man. eat. It's time to eat. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. And now for the Q and A. Here's a question from Krista. 
Hi, Krista. Krista says, hi, Ethan. Have you ever dealt with weight loss fatigue when you're so consumed with counting calories, macros, listening to information, et cetera, that you just get super fatigued with everything and it makes you fall off the wagon for a bit? Um, she says, I'm at the start of my journey. I've lost 20 pounds of 140 that I need to lose. When you first start out, you really have to learn lots and count lots. I got weight loss fatigued about a month and a half ago, and I'm finding it hard to get back into a mind frame to continue on my path. Any suggestions or tips? Yes, Krista. Great. Let's talk about this. Um, I totally have. I have found that when I've gotten weight loss fatigued, what I'm doing is too severe. Um, it, the counting calories and stuff like that is a pain in the ass. There are tools that make this much more uh, useful, useful, easy, much easier. And these are apps, uh, RP diet app, carbon, uh, carbon diet app, uh, my fitness pal, all these things are helpful in alleviating the stress of like looking in a book. God, I, I started looking in a book called calorie King. It was a fucking nightmare writing everything down. And then somebody was like, that's online. You can just fucking have an app for calorie King. And I was like, Oh really? This is so much easier. That helped. Then somebody told me about my fitness pal that made life much easier. Then it was like, Oh no, there's a, a an even better app called RP diet app. And then Lane Norton came out with an app called carbon diet coach. All these apps are super, super useful. If you're interested in just figuring out your energy needs. Right. Um, I think where we, where I've found that I get into trouble is when it's so extreme and I'm not working towards a goal of long-term anything that you're doing that becomes that fatiguing, this is not sustainable, right? So you should take a look at what can be sustainable because if you got 140 pounds to lose, that's not happening fast. If you got 140 pounds to lose and then you want to keep it off, none of that is happening fast. That's a long-term thing that we have to look at, right? This is not, you know, a 30-day whatever, I'm going to get abs for the summer type of a deal. This is a real long-term thing. You didn't gain 140 pounds over the holidays. Um, you're not going to take it off in two or three months. This is really kind of, I think, where we have to look at adjusting our life. And where are the areas that you can remove habits that led you to that and develop new habits that will keep you away from that, right? Um, <clears throat> my suggestion is if you had weight loss fatigue, do maintenance, figure out maintenance, figure out what your daily energy needs are and just eat that for a while and get to the point where you can eat that without having to write everything down, where you just understand what that amount of food is. Uh, where are you making adjustments? Are you making adjustments in fats? Are you making adjustments in carbs? Well, it doesn't really matter, but where are you bringing your numbers down so that you're not gaining weight? And once you get really good at that, it's much easier to carve out a little bit of a deficit. 
and then do that over a long period of time where it's not fatiguing mentally um, and do lots of maintenance periods in there because that will also relieve the fatigue of dieting and stressing about all this stuff. So my suggestion to her is figure out how much food you need just to maintain your body weight, get real comfortable at eating that then adjusts so that you're losing weight. So are you saying, uh, like basically, are you saying like a little maintenance period or a diet break or whatnot will also be sort of a break to the, you know, kind of effort it takes that put the person feeling that way, like that fatigue, like, yeah, certainly that's the, that's part of the purpose and, and mm -hmm. listening to her specifically her, she's having trouble getting back onto a diet because she was so fatigued by the diet. And I go like, that doesn't sound like the right diet that, you know, if you're not getting anywhere near your goal because it's so exhausting, I would throw that diet right in the trash. Cause what we're talking about with needing to lose 140 pounds is a very long-term thing. This doesn't happen overnight. So if what you're doing is unsustainable in the short term, how the fuck are you going to do it in the long term? Not possible. Um, <clears throat> I would get rid of that altogether. I'm not saying that uh, the idea of knowing the amount of calories you're consuming is bad. Um, but I totally know the overwhelming sensation that comes with looking everything up, writing everything down. I would suggest figuring out how much you require just to maintain your body mass. Doing a few days of calculation so that you get a real clear picture of how much vegetables you eat, how much I don't know what she eats, right? This is, I'm just throwing out standard American diet. How much complex carbs, how much uh, fruits and veggies, how much lean protein, how much fats, right? <clears throat> Once you have that, compose your meals in a way that you're happy with living. The, the, the tricky thing here for, for, for people like me who had to undergo massive weight loss, and I'm, I think 140 pounds is in the category of massive, is I was never happy just eating to maintain my body weight. So I had to look at, oh, I like to sit down with four cheeseburgers and fries and chicken McNuggets. I like to sit down with a whole pizza. I'm not a guy who just wants to eat a pint of ice cream. I want to eat a half a quart of ice cream, right? I, you know, my little kids, when they uh, would pack their lunches for school, they would have these tiny little bags, single serving bags of chips, right? I, I, I don't know what the fuck that is. A single serving bag of chips for me is a family sized bag of chips. Um, <laughs> these are the things that I have to really address first and go, I can't do that. That's gotta be, I gotta get rid of that. And, and I think, you know, to break a bad habit takes time and takes work and to uh, insert a new good habit takes time, takes work, but it's possible, but it's real work. And that should not be fatiguing. That should not be something that is so exhausting that it's impossible. 
Um, if it is, I don't know what to tell you. I would just try alternates, right? I would try to do it in a different way if what you're doing is too difficult. But 400 plus pounds, we have to think in terms of years. And I'm not just saying it's definitely going to take years to lose that weight, but how long do you want to keep it off? What are you willing to do for a, a really long period of time to achieve that? It's, it's a life change. It's, it's um, really examining all these aspects of life. It's not just, I'm going to eat in a deficit for a few months. This is not for me, a successful um, solution. I, it's not useful how, because it doesn't address my life. I spent 30 years overeating. That's not all going to be solved in a few months of dieting. It's just not. So I've got to really look at these things. My instinct for somebody who's done diets, who's really trying to take a look at this, just figure out today how much you need to survive. And I don't mean survival at the, sorry, survive is the wrong word because we need very little to survive. We can survive on a tiny, we can survive on nothing for a long time, right? That's not the right word. How much do you need to maintain? What does your body need to maintain? Just try not losing weight for a bit. See what that's like. Just try, and, 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 and also not gaining weight. Just try maintaining. That's a fucking that's a task in and of itself. Cause I had no idea what this is. I'm sure a lot of people have no idea what this is. Do that. When you're really good at that, you can dig into it a little bit. You can remove a little bit of it and, and then get into losing weight. <clears throat> that's my suggestion. I can't tell you exactly how that works. I can't give you numbers. Um, I can just give you uh, ballpark um, suggestions on. And, and again, I'm less concerned with the way somebody goes about losing weight than I am with thinking about long term. This for me was always the biggest deal because losing weight is not hard. Eat less, you'll lose weight. Eat only keto, you know, for a while, you'll most likely lose weight. Um, change your change your diet radically in any way you'll most likely lose weight is that going to be sustainable have you addressed the aspects of your life that were causing the problem to begin with i don't i don't think that's typically true um so that's my suggestion thank you for your question i wish you nothing but luck in this new life that you have before you if you have a question that you would like me to um, talk about on this show, I'm saying talk about because who the fuck am I to answer a question? If you have a question that you would like me to discuss um, in a rather glib way on this show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.